Hey everybody, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and it is our privilege this morning to have with us Chris Bennett. Chris is an Emergency Management Administrator for Tech2 in Ontario, Canada. Nice to see you, Chris. It's very nice to see you, Dr. Hanson. Hey now, congratulations. You've just completed your degree in emergency management. Yes, I did. Just on Friday, I had my commencement. So yeah, it's very, it was a long road, but uh, very excited to have it completed and get moving forward. That's fantastic. Well, let's start with that. Why did you choose to do that? You've been a professional in the industry for a while. Yeah, I've been, I've been in the industry in one way or another for about 10 years. Um, a unique situation where I'm a U.S. citizen living in Canada now for almost four years, uh, married a Canadian. So after living down there for five, we moved up here. I spent seven years in the U.S. working for a aerospace electronics company, volunteering as their emergency manager after being introduced to the, the program by one of the EHS employees. Uh, found out that I had a real good aptitude for it and really took off with it. The company wasn't going to hire on anybody permanently as an emergency manager but I volunteered to do it, did that for seven years, moved up here to Ontario. And within about a year, I started working for TAC2. And what were you and doing? I, oh, sorry. What were you doing as an emergency manager for aerospace? I'm thinking of spaceships blowing up and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's officially, I was working in their stores room, but what I was doing as an emergency manager was they challenged me to take their first aid team. And it was a loose group of about five or six people and make something a little more professional out of it. So what I ended up doing was using incident command and all of our other programs. I was actually able to go from six to 50 volunteers in both first aid, spill response, and fire suppression. And I actually had everything organized just like a regular response team would for a firefighter or for paramedics. And not only that, but I was actually able to teach my volunteers how to communicate with these professionals so that when the professionals came in to take over, they were able to do a AAR real quick in order to transfer everything over and get things moving. Wonderful. And so how long you were there, you were there for seven years, did you say? I was in that role for seven years. I was in, with that company for 12. Okay. okay. But I was in the role for seven. Fantastic. And then you made the move to Tech2? Yeah. So I, well, I moved to Canada first. Um, we had a family situation. So my wife had to return. And shortly after she came up, I came up. And it was starting all over again, pretty much, because new country, I didn't have my degree yet. I had started getting my degree while I was still in the US, but I hadn't finished it yet. So I had to take a little bit of time off. Uh, within a year, I got up here in September of 2017. I believe June of 2018. Yeah, June of 2018 was when I started working for TAC2. And I actually started working just initially as a responder. Uh, most of what, again, TAC2 is a privatized emergency services company. So we have a fire department, we have paramedics, we have um, large animal rescue division, we have a water rescue division. We even have corporate heavy machinery training division. 
So we're kind of a one one stop shop for a lot of companies up here and a lot of events, uh, fairs. 90% of our business during the summer is actually equine shows, jumping shows, dressage shows. So you have to have at least one or two paramedics on site or responders, at least somebody with medical training. So 90% of our business from May until September is these shows. And we'll do 40, you know, between 30 and 40 shows a weekend all across Southern Ontario. And why so, is there such demand for, for a private company? Do the public services um, not have enough staff or enough training or capacity? We're cheaper. <laughs> that would be one thing. We're, we're, we're very competitive when it comes to our rates. Um, we also, again, we offer that one-stop one shop situation where if it's a company that needs forklift training and they need first aid training and they decide that they're going to have a company event but they don't necessarily want their employees to have to you know be responsible for medical situations in that case we actually supply two or three people in order to come in and sit at a desk or walk around whatever the, the customer is asking for it's it's not as big yet we're getting there a company's been around for about 25 years and within the last five to six years we've really seen a lot of growth explosion just because of we're really pushing into these other situations the, er, the early years it was mostly just the equine shows and then the owner would go ahead during the winter he'd supplement by doing the uh the corporate trainings or uh dead stock pickup so that's something he still does on himself to this day he still goes out in a truck with a big old trailer and goes to goes to farms that need uh removals so he, he goes out and person personally does that himself uh i'm no longer in the field i'm mostly in the office actually i'm mostly in my office now i think maybe once or twice a month i actually go into the office uh, but mostly I've been working remotely, so. Right. Let's take a, a step back from the aerospace before you started volunteering there. Tell us about your experience as an emergency management prior to that. None. None at all? Absolutely none. Yeah, absolutely none. Uh, when I was younger, I, I've, I've, been, I've been a performing musician for over 30 years. Um, but... Initially, I started out in university when I was like 18, 19. I wanted to go into sports medicine. And then I realized I didn't really want to do that. And then I left university and decided that I was just going to get into the workforce and was doing a lot of warehouse jobs. I was doing that for a long time. And then I started that in Buffalo, New York. That's where I was born. Moved to Phoenix, Arizona when I was 25 within five years of being well within seven years of being down there i started working for uh the uh, aerospace company that i was working with stuck with them for 12 and five years in was when they turned around and said listen you're getting all this experience now because you've been working with the ehs people volunteering to help with setting up business continuity plans and stuff like that why don't you go ahead and get more involved with it and see where you want to go and that's honestly where i discovered my passion 
for emergency management. I hadn't realized it until I was in Arizona at Collins Aerospace. And it was just a revelation. They showed me this world that I knew existed, but didn't really understand. And it was just, it was amazing. I loved it. it every, every single part of it. I love being out in the action. I love being in the office and doing the planning. In the end, it's seeing the smile on somebody's face because you know you help them in some way or another. And I know it sounds cliche, but it truly, for me, it honestly is that. It's, it's getting that thank you. And just knowing that you affected somebody's life in that way, in a positive way, that really, for me, is the most fulfilling part of it. I really love hearing that because often we speak to people who have been in the military and then that transition into either corporate America or corporations and they find their place in that role or they go into a service, a public service like firefighting. But you have yeah. something which is completely unrelated. You volunteered because there was a need and you learned some skills and then you discovered your passion. Isn't that wonderful? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm a very lucky man to have three passions in my life. You know, it's amazing that when somebody has one, I've got my wife, I've got music, and I've got emergency management. So I, I live a very fulfilled life. I'm able to do all three things that, that I really have a passion for. So I'm very thankful to the upper management team at Collins for helping me get on this path and really giving me that chance to show that I can do this. Everyone that I speak to, I, I often say at the end, you know, what would be some advice you'd give people that are interested in moving into emergency management? And always, I can't remember someone who didn't say it, but they said volunteer, look for opportunities to give your time, and you're the perfect example of that. You didn't know it was a passion of yours, and now you've discovered it. And now you've done your, your academic degree. I'm just wondering why, because you have another degree as well. So why did you feel it was important to do a degree in this area? For me, it seemed that the only way that I was really going to succeed to my level of what I felt was success was I needed to have a degree in order to be able to go out there and get the bigger jobs. Uh, American Red Cross when I was in the United States, Canadian Red Cross. Uh, I, I even have some FEMA certifications that I took back when I was still uh, in my early years of university for, for my degree. I've got like four or five certifications that I took through the, through, uh, the FEMA university. So it was, for me, knowledge is power. That's the best way for me to say it. Knowledge is power. And the more knowledge I have, the better I'm going to be able to service those people that need my skills. And a degree just seemed like the perfect way to go about it. I do find that emergency managers who are out in the field, the bachelor's degree or the master's degree, an academic degree is not so important. It, it's more the, the experiences that you have and the familiarity with the processes and understanding the technology and how to respond in a, a meaningful way and how to command in, an incident and people to make sure that life is preserved and property is preserved. 
but also when you want to grow your career though and move and take your skills and use those in different industries people understand what a degree is people understand right. when you go to a university and get that certificate and that recognizes or maybe authenticates or that practical expert experience that you have do you find that's the case in canada and the u.s from your perspective it's definitely the case in the u.s uh I'm still exploring that case here in Canada. I, I, I love the where I'm working. You know, I, I love the getting out there. It's some of the most gorgeous scenery to be out in these farms and watching these, these horses jump during the summer. It's just, it's amazing. But I also feel that I have more to give. Mm. And be that, be that if we're able to expand and continue to grow tattoo, or if that means that another opportunity comes up, I, I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't entertain it. I mean, I'm always looking to grow. I'm always looking to learn. Uh, when I first started my degree, the, the specialization I really wanted to look at was nuclear power. Mm. I mean, I was like, all right, so let's really get into emergency management, how it re relates to the nuclear industry. And as I was kind of getting into that, I was also doing what I was doing for the first aid team, which was uh, the, the Collins first aid team that ended up being calling called the, the VERT or the volunteer emergency response team. And I realized with working and building the VERT to what it is now, that there's a major disconnect between public sector and private sector response ish, uh, just responses, period. Most of the time, a professional, a paramedic, a firefighter is going to walk into a facility and they're not going to ask anybody what's going on. They're just going to ask, where's the fire? And then somebody's going to point and then they go. My goal with my team was to be able to actually have a communication with IC to IC. So we had an incident commander on scene for my team. And then they would get together with a professional incident commander. They would exchange the information. My team would back off. And that, that would allow the professional team to go in more focused. They knew exactly what was going on, what had happened. They didn't go in second guessing anything. They had all the information they needed. I'm not sure if that answers your question. <laughs> So when, when you're doing this um, and you're handing over from incident commander to incident commander, um, do you find that when you're working with TAC2, you're training people to think in that way, if the, if the public services come along, how they can hand it over, or do they actually keep retaining control because they've been hired as a private firm to respond to the incidents that turn up? Yeah, no, that is, that's exactly what I have done with my team is, and they had that training initially. The owner of TAC2 is a former uh, Toronto fire chief. So, you know, I, I have, I have the luxury of working with somebody who fully understands the entire process. It's just honing that skill of having the handoff flawless, having all that information ready for them even written down, you know, it have, we always have two people, there's always two, two responders at an event. 
One person's going to be working on the other one. The other one's either working on logistics, working on whatever planning's got to happen, and then they're the communications experts. So they're communication. They're communicating with the uh, the people that are putting on the show. They're communicating with the farm because it's not necessarily the same people who are running the show and who own the farm. And then if we have to call in public services, they're the ones communicating with public service as the primary responder is still working on the patient until the, until the professional comes in. And then there's a physical handoff there also. So I do work very hard with my team to make sure that they have that handoff as polished as possible so that it's flawless. Right. So tell us a little bit before we wind up about an, admin, an emergency management administrator and what your day involves. Wow. It's early. <laughs> it's early. I'm normally up about five, maybe sometimes I'll get to stay, to stay in bed till six. Uh, recently, because of the pandemic and everything that's been going on, I've been working mostly from home remotely. I have a lot of uh, phone conversations with my manager and the owner. Um, so it's making sure his schedule, first off, is, to, is current and to him. So and not only am I the emergency manager of this company, I'm also the business administrator, which is where my title of business, business emergency manager administrator comes in it's a two-pronged role so not only am i handed not only am i handling his his emergency skill uh, issues i'm also handling his personal business issues so i've got to make sure that his schedule is ready and up and running i get that done the night before and then it's make sure he's on schedule getting to where he needs to be and monitoring him and then when we have shows that are going on during the week or if we have shows on the weekends which hopefully we'll get to this year. They actually canceled all equine shows last year uh, for the summer and they canceled all uh, um, fall fairs. And we do a ton of fall fairs here also. So our year last year was slow when it came to actual events. We're hoping this year as our numbers start to come back down that things will get better. But it's just making sure that everybody is organized, ready to go, I'll try if I'll try and not get into the office for maybe a couple of weeks just to make sure because again we have a lot of contact with the public when we're out there. But at the same time, I also have to make sure I also handle the logistics, I handle the planning, I handle the operations of the business overall plus the emergency part of it. So lot there really is a lot it's a, a lot of managing my my boss where he's going uh talking to our fi financial person to make sure that our bills are up and current and making sure all our vehicles are properly tagged and licensed and making sure that all of our responders are licensed and all their stuff is up and current making sure that they're on site on time and then taking care of any issues that come up in between that so every day is different <laughs> which i love i it's again it's one of the other things that I really love about emergency management. You're not going to have a day where you're going to go in and do the same thing two days in a row. It's never going to happen. And I love that. I love being on my toes and responding like that. Chris, if someone did want to get into emergency management, you know, looking back 
in hindsight, discovering your passion through volunteering and then having this role and moving to a different country. What are some experiences that you'd encourage people to have before they moved into something like your role involved in emergency management? If you're already working for a company, I would say, you know, talk to your manager, talk to the upper management, see if there's a way that you can organize even a small first aid team. Every company has to have a, a first aid plan. So, you know, instead of having three or four people that, you know, know how to point you to where the nearest first aid box is, you know, actually have five or six people that are responsible for two actual response bags and have a, a, a very streamlined process of how to be able to approach the scene, handle the scene. And if you have to call in the professionals, how to hand off that information to them quickly and flawlessly in order to make their job easier. On top of that, in the United States, they also have uh, CERTs, C-E-R-T-S, which are community emergency response teams. These are people that volunteer through the fire stations, through paramedic stations, and they literally will be called upon. In the case of a major emergency, a CERT will be called upon in order to do a lot of the minor logistical jobs so that the professionals don't need, necessarily need to worry about that. It's kind of like uh, a local version of the Red Cross. Even though the Red Cross is local in every area, these people volunteer their time. And I did it when I was in Phoenix. We handed out water. In Phoenix, Arizona, it gets up to 45, 50 degrees Celsius during the summer. So if you're out there and we, matter of fact, we had a, uh, we had a major rains event come through. It was actually a tropical depression that came into Arizona up, um, up the west coast of Mexico. It actually made it into Arizona and hit Phoenix as a tropical depression. It dumped something like three feet of rain in a matter of 12 hours. Wow. And we were called out for that. I actually tried going to work that morning and I couldn't get down. I couldn't get halfway to work because the roads were all just washed out. So I turned around and I got a call for cert. They came and picked me up in a vehicle that could handle the roads. And I was out handing out water and blankets. And, you know, it's, it's just find a way to volunteer, to get involved. Most municipalities are going to have that situation where they're going to want all the help they can get. Mm. You know, and they're, they'll 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 take anybody who wants to volunteer their time in order to help them with the job that they need to do, so they can focus on the more important things. And not that giving out water isn't important, but it's it's a waste of resources to put a professional on handing out water when that person could also be saving a life. Mm. I love that. It's good for people to know what they don't know if they want to experience emergency management to know to actually ask for. Does anyone know where the CERT team coordinator yes. is or how do I get involved in, in being in a CERT? I think that Absolutely. first point that you said, Chris, that it doesn't matter where you are, whichever organization or company you're in, just ask or volunteer to create that team. That's, that's a really good insight for people. Thank you. Chris Bennett from Canada. Yes. 
in Ontario from TAC2. Really want to thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And I know that people would have learned from what you've shared today. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, <laughs>